Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 754. Second best is what you get until you learn to bend the rules. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest to Brian Joslin. Hey, Brian, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely. Let's do this. All right. We'll have some fun. We're going off-road today, listeners. Brian Joslin is the publisher at Alloy & Grit magazine. Alloy & Grit is North America's independent Land Rover magazine. The publication was born out of the passion that Land Rover was delivered for decades to their owners and enthusiasts. The mission is simple, to produce the finest stories and the most complete resources for Land Rover owners across North America. And they do it with a distinctly American perspective. Brian's career spans working for import car dealers as a journalist and then as a publisher launching Gran Turismo magazine and then Alloy and Great with his business partner, Steve Hoare. Christopher Halusta, who's a past guest on Cars Year, is their art director. And I'll tell you, I have a copy of this publication. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. You're going to love it. And if you love off-road Land Rover, you got to check out Alloy and Grit. So, Brian, I've told our listeners just a little tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your career, this new launched publication that you're doing, and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Sure. Uh, first of all, thanks for uh, inviting me to uh, to join you here. I don't think Jerry Seinfeld's going to call and invite me to coffee anytime <laughs> soon, so. I'll take this in in its place. So, Absolutely. Uh, so thank Thanks for the opportunity. You're welcome. Yeah, my uh, my background really um, spans the uh, uh, the automotive landscape in in terms of European vehicles primarily. I uh, I left college a little early to um, to pursue <laughs> a, a career in the automotive industry and was was not quite sure uh, where that would take me. So I started out where uh, where a lot of guys do and and started out at the dealership. I uh, I sold cars for for five years and uh, eventually worked my way into uh, the service department, which uh, tumbled into uh, a career in the aftermarket, which led to uh, publishing of all things. So my experience has always been, like I said, with uh, European vehicles primarily. I grew up in Volkswagens, had GTIs. Uh, Sobs, Volvos, and uh, always, always had a passion for uh, for the European stuff mostly. So in my uh, in my career, I've kind of specialized in that. I've always been around Porsche, Volkswagen, Audi, BMW owners for the most part. You know, more recently with uh, with Land Rovers, I kind of stumbled into a, a Land Rover discovery by accident probably seven years ago. Picked one up with a blown motor that I got for really, really cheap, and uh, put it back on the road about a year later, and um, and have really enjoyed. The opportunities that that vehicle has brought and really some incredible people that I've met along the way in that community. Oh, absolutely. In our pre-show chat, Brian and I were talking. We know a lot of the same people. We're both good friends with Kevin Beard, who's been a guest on the show, my second guest here on the show, and a lot of other people in the industry. And the Land Rover Discovery has created quite a cult following over the years, many years. It's one of those kind of cultish, iconic cars, especially for us U.S. folks, because getting one over here is not always the easiest thing, and they're kind of rare. We're going to learn a lot more about Brian. We're going to learn a lot more about this new publication as we continue on his journey. But first, I always like to Ask my guest for a success quote or a mantra. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars. Yeah. So Brian, take the wheel. Sure. So I've actually, I'm going to cheat here. I've got a, a two that I that I kind of use, and they kind of great. They counterbalance each other, mm -hmm. and they both also happen to be uh, 
quotes from John Mellencamp lyrics. So probably the first on your on your show for that. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the first is uh, second best is what you get until you learn to bend the rules. <laughs> and uh, as unethical as that might sound, I take it really to mean that uh, you're not going to get ahead if you if you just take what's handed to you. You have to find um, sometimes it's a back door in or uh, a new way of doing things, a different approach. So I'm not not in favor of breaking the rules, but once in a while you do have to bend them if uh, if you want to find uh, true success. Yes. And then to balance that out, an honest man's pillow is his peace of mind. Uh, for me, <laughs> yeah. I know that uh, whatever I do, I'm doing it uh, honestly. I never have to uh, uh, inflate my my audience numbers or anything like that. You know, it's yeah. uh, what what we do is what we do, and. Um, I'm comfortable at night. I put my head on my pillow every night and, and have no problem with what we're doing. So uh, those those two kind of balance each other out. Uh, I don't let one get too far ahead of the other. So Absolutely. I like that. You know, yeah, that is the first time John Mellencamp's lyrics have been used as a quote here, but I like it. And it makes sense, especially in the business that you're in. Uh, it's a nice balance between the two. So very unique, very creative, very cool. Well, let's go back in time. I'd love for you to share a story that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment when you think back in your life when you really realized that you were indeed a car guy? I can honestly say I don't remember a time. I, uh, I recently was handed a box of pictures from my father you know, from very early childhood. And every picture in it, I'm holding something with wheels. So from a very, very young age, I was, uh, you know, infected with the with the car bug. <laughs> yeah. And my parents tell stories about when I was three or four, you know, sitting on the front porch calling out cars by name. I didn't grow up in a car family specifically. Mm-hmm. I mean, my dad's my dad's really a woodworker, and uh, you know, beyond carving one out of a out of a two by four, he he really was not uh, a car guy at all. I did have one uncle, the youngest of all my uncles, who who was uh, a very strong influence on me in in the early days. He worked as a body man at a dealership, but uh, he was the one that took me out to uh, car club events. You know, in my early teen years, and yeah. and kind of introduced me to car culture more than anything. So, but you know, in terms of you know, being a car guy, uh, it's it's been there all along. I drew cars. <laughs> I drew cars in kindergarten. I remember picking up the uh, the box top from a, a model car box that I found and carrying it home from school uh, from kindergarten. So, I mean, it's it's been with me forever. It's always there. Yeah. yeah, I hear that from a lot of my guests. It's kind of in the DNA. Motor oil runs through our veins. So yeah. I understand 100%. Well, Brian, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down and have you share a big challenge or even a big failure that you faced along the way in your career. Of course, the most important part of this is what did it teach you? So take us to that painful time, kind of walk us through it, and then tell us how that experience experience helped you gain even more momentum in your career and your business and your life. Sure. Yeah, this this is an easy one. Um, back in uh, at the end of 2012, um, I left. I chose to to leave a really good job actually with uh, with a with a solid company. I'd been there nine years and uh, really was feeling the need to to go out and do something on my own and. Um, uh, picked up and left at the end of uh, 2012 to launch uh, Gran Turismo magazine, which was to be a uh, European car and motorcycle kind of enthusiast publication. Put a lot of planning and forethought into it, but really didn't have the tools in my kit to to get that off the ground properly. And uh, spent the first half of uh, 2012 really figuring that out, and uh, or the first half of 2013 really. And uh, you know, by midway through the year, it was pretty obvious that wasn't going to happen, and uh, had to swallow some pride, you know, and then retrench and figure out what do I do next. So right, right. you know, I fell back into uh, to freelance writing and um, was able to to write for some great publications and and for some people that that I really enjoyed um, working for in the business. Mm -hmm. But uh, without a doubt, that was, uh, you know, I had a lot emotionally invested in that. And uh, for that not to happen uh, was uh, was definitely a a blow. 
Oh, but, yeah. But uh, it definitely strengthened um, my, my resolve and, uh, you know, prepared me for the for the next attempt at, at magazine publishing, which is where I'm at right now. Absolutely. Well, what's a great takeaway from that experience for you that you might help those who might be facing a similar situation? Because we all go through these challenges and some are bigger than others. Some are job losses, some are business losses, all sorts of things happen. So what's the takeaway you could share to help that listener out there that might be facing the same situation? Well, you know, the the truth is you can never be too prepared. Um, I was uh, admittedly underprepared for that. Uh, I had done a lot of a lot of research. You know, this was a couple of years of planning to uh, to get it to the point where I felt comfortable leaving a job. But uh, there was still so much more to learn. And, um, you know, I, if anything, I would recommend taking some sort of intermediate step. Maybe I shouldn't have walked away completely from the job, but but tried to figure out a an intermediary uh, step there. Mm, okay. um, but it's done, and uh, and now we've moved on. So Well, and the great thing that you shared with that story is that it taught you things that you've brought forward now to what you're doing with Alloy and Grit. So there's a, a, the best lesson I heard from that was I learned things, what to do, what not to do, and I carried them forward, and now I'm implementing those do's and don'ts into this new publication. Absolutely. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a, a career aha moment. It's one of those times when those big off-road lights come on and steer you down the right path so you don't go over a cliff. Tell us about your aha moment. Well, it was it was really the summer of uh, of 2013. You know, again, I'd, I'd kind of tucked my tail from from the Gran Turismo experience and and was trying to figure out where to go next. And I, I still really had this this drive to do something unique and, and on my own rather than just just working for somebody. And uh, it occurred to me that that nobody was doing a Land Rover publication. I had I had my discovery in the garage and loved the vehicle and was becoming active with the club and and doing all these things with Land Rover people. But all the magazines came out of the UK. And aside from one aftermarket parts publisher uh, who, who puts out a catalog with some some content mixed in it, there was no standalone American magazine. And even though it was a small brand, you know, I knew I was going to be a, a small effort. It wasn't the type of audience that a, that a bigger publisher was likely to carry, you know, forward into into full concept. <laughs> Believe me, I'd talked to several publishers about what I was doing, and I knew full well they weren't interested in a in a small title like that. So I thought, what have I got to lose? You know, let's develop this out. Uh, there's a real market for it there, and I think that was the biggest lesson. Was you know, I wasn't competing with anyone else really in that space. I had an opportunity to do something. I, I was I was truly filling a gap rather than trying to uh, displace or compete with uh, with another publication. So yeah, that niching down is something that I hear a lot in business, and it's it's something that's a trend that things are moving towards because there's so many generalists in the business, all different businesses. And I you take podcasting with what I'm doing. There's a lot of podcasts out there, a lot of business podcasts, self help podcasts, help podcast, but they're very broad and they're not niched down. And that's why I chose to do what I was doing is niche it down and try to stay real focused on a segment of the uh, audience out there or the population that would have an interest. So sounds like that's the path you took with Alloy and Grit. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, we committed to a to a quarterly publishing schedule, you know, for for first time publisher. It, uh, that's <laughs> it's daunting. Plenty. It's plenty of work as it is. So, yeah, um, yeah. so it, it was a, it was a, a manageable scale to take on. And, um, we've found an audience and, uh, definitely, uh, heard from readers and companies in the aftermarket as well that, Hey, there's, there's nothing out there. I, uh, we were at SEMA last fall and, uh, would go into some of the booths and ask what they had specifically for Landover. And they said, Oh, you know, we, we have stuff. We just don't display it. We don't get that much call. We really don't have a place to advertise it. So there you go. The keyword advertise. 
That's right. <laughs> that was confirmation that we were onto something that, that there was no outlet for some of these uh, products and companies. So, Very so cool. that was that was it. Awesome. Well, let's talk about a proudest career or business moment. I would assume you've had a couple of those. Could you share one that really stands out? Yeah, I think hands down holding that first issue of the uh, of the magazine that had not only um, you know articles. I mean, anyone could put together the pages of content together, uh-huh. but but we had paid advertising in there. We had you know an audience already built when that first one went out. We had already taken subscriptions. So yeah, holding that that first issue uh, last fall and knowing that it was a real product, not a concept, uh, was was hands down the, uh, the proudest day. Uh, for me. There's nothing like seeing all that work come to fruition. It's like publishing a book or publishing a magazine, or I worked in the catalog business for years. And when you, you finally see that printed bound piece in your hands, it's just like, oh. It's so real. Uh, this is the real deal. Yeah. Now it's got to go to work, of course. But uh, uh, yeah, there's nothing like that. Fantastic. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and go back in time. I'd love for you to share your first really special car and maybe share a memory you have of that vehicle. Yeah. So the... Um I mentioned I grew up in GTIs. That was kind of my, uh, you know, my my early child or early adulthood uh, uh, ride of choice. Mm-hmm. But a few years back, I, I had the urge for an E30 3 Series, and, I, and this is one you've probably heard many times. Uh, <laughs> but uh, a friend of mine uh, had a brother who was selling a 318 IS in California, Southern car, um, and I bought it sight unseen from him in uh, in Huntington Beach, and. That was really kind of the first thing that was, uh, as much as I love the GTIs, the 318 IS felt like a really uh, special vehicle. It was kind of the, the poor man's M3 of the time. Right. And uh, so I, I actually wrangled my friend whose who's brother I bought the car from. He's a mechanical engineer. And we both flew out to uh, California together. I figured if something broke down <laughs> between the two of us, we had an engineer and, and you know, I'm fairly handy myself. We'd, uh-huh. we'd at least get it home. Right. And it was a little bit of insurance for buying the car sight unseen. So yeah, we flew out and um, picked it up in Huntington Beach, drove it to Vegas overnight, stayed overnight, and then drove it straight back. I was living in Chicago at the time. Oh, that's a long drive. <laughs> Vegas to Chicago, I think uh, we did it in, I don't know, 26 hours or something. It was a, basically a nonstop drive. We uh, took turns uh, driving and sleeping. And it was a car with black vinyl interior in the middle of summer, uh, no, air, no air conditioning. It was oh. a, a fairly brutal drive. But uh, what a great way to start a relationship with a car. And I ended up restoring that one. Essentially, I uh, repainted it at home, reupholstered it at home, You know, kind of reconditioned the, uh, the mechanicals and absolutely loved that car. And it was like a brand new car when I got done with it. So nice. <laughs> yeah. So nice. that was probably the first real special one. I've, you know, all the European cars I've had, I've enjoyed, but that one uh, really felt special to me. There's nothing like bonding with a car you've just bought with a long road trip. I bought a Beck Spider years ago when my, oh, son, wow. my son was eight and we flew to Long Beach. John Wilhoyd, who does incredible restorations, built the car for one of his clients and I bought it through him and we spent five days driving it up the coast and uh, yeah. no, no top, no radio, no heater. It was in summer, so that was fine. But yeah, definitely bonded with that car. Had a for a while, sold it, and my son's never forgiven me for getting rid of it. So, uh, in fact, I just found it for sale after 13 years. The guy sold it to selling it. So, uh, pick it up. The next person, well, I, I have a rule about cars never go back, yeah. always go forward. So, uh, there's a lot of cars I wish I had back, but nope, there's always another one. You've already done that. So, been there, done that. Well, how about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle you've let go that you really wish you had? Speaking of cars that you wish you had back, well, ironically, yeah, it's, it's the same car. The um, the interesting thing is um, we built that as a project car for one of the websites I was running, and so the the restoration process was was very public, very visible, and uh, I ended up selling the car back to the guy I bought it from. <laughs> oh no, kidding! Wow, that's wild. 
but it's the one car that got away that I, you know, that I've owned that I, I really wish I still had, you know, and, I, and I'm, I'm haunted by one locally, a, a young guy drives one, same color and, and, and in great shape, actually, it reminds me a lot of mine. Cool. And uh, I see him around once in a while and, you know, I, there's, there's times I want to bug him and just, just ask him <laughs> if, it's, if it's ever for sale, but uh, I haven't done that yet. Well, everything's for sale. So uh, yeah. if you want it bad enough, that's for sure. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. I'd love for you to share a little bit more with our audience about this new publication. My understanding is you guys launched last November in the fall, so it's fairly new. Wonderful publication. I have a copy. It's absolutely spectacular. The way it's designed and laid out is really, really special. And I mentioned in the uh, introduction, one of your uh, kind of partners in in work there is Christopher, who's uh, been a guest here on the show, wonderful art director. So tell our listeners about Alloy and Grit magazine. Sure. So... um like I mentioned, this this came about about three and a half years ago. The concept was first laid down, and um, I was living in Chicago at, at the time. And at the end of uh, 2013, you know, I had an opportunity to move. I was freelancing, and uh, my wife had a job opportunity on the East Coast. So we picked up and moved and ended up outside of Philadelphia. And when I got on the ground here, I started pursuing the concept a little deeper, doing my business planning and stuff. And uh, when I was talking to, to Land Rover's PR team, they said, oh, you know, you're down outside of Philadelphia. You, do you know Steve Hoare? I said, no. They said, you should probably probably talk to him. And as it turns out, Steve, my, my primary business partner, lives uh, 20 minutes from my house. And he has for a long time been a, the North American contributor to uh, a couple of the bigger British Landover magazines. He's expat Brit. So he's, uh, you know, he's <laughs> well-versed. He grew up with Landovers from the time he was about 12. He's a former Aston Martin engineer, had an interesting background of his own. So he had actually kind of tracked me down through a forum. He saw where I was living, and uh, and we we kind of ran into each other and started talking about what we could possibly do together. He had had long been uh, pushing for North American versions of of the British magazines, and those publishers, you know, it was too foreign for them to to manage. And yeah, when we started talking, it was pretty obvious that you know between some of his experience and his connections and my experience and my connections that, that we could probably make a uh, North American Landover magazine work. So we started working on the business plan in earnest really in uh, uh, early 2015. And as we started to develop it, we realized, you know, we're, we're both writers, we're word people more than anything. We needed someone to design this. And I had concepts, but really didn't have the polish uh, needed for production. And he said, well, and you know, I know another guy in the, in the Landover community who's, uh, who's a, a creative director. And uh, so we ended up talking with him, and that's that's uh, Dan Marcello. He's our our creative director now. You know, it's a part time effort for him, but um, he is is committed to developing the brand and and helping us, you know, make a, a really presentable publication out of it. And uh, as we got a little further along, we realized actually Chris approached us and said, "Hey, I I do print layout as well. If you ever need a hand, and of course we needed a hand. <laughs> so um, so I met with Chris, and if, as it turned out, he's just across the river from both Steve and I in New Jersey. So he's he's a, about forty five minutes away from us with with traffic and everything, but uh-huh. very very close. So the yeah. Of the four of us, three of us are, are very close to each other, and Dan's not far away in, in New York. So we started putting this together and um, got got the, the concept down to a point where you know we figured out our, our editorial plan and who our potential advertising base was, and basically said, "Well, we need to do this." Yeah, let's <laughs> and, do it. Uh, and uh, we kept trying to decide how we were going to going to launch this. And we had a meeting with uh, Jaguar Land Rover last April, almost a year ago now. 
And we decided before we went in that meeting, we better give them a launch date, hard date on the calendar that we're going to do this. And we uh, we basically picked middle of November, right around the LA Auto Show, uh, as our, our issue one launch date. And once we did that, everything kind of became much clearer. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know the t- timelines got very real, and we started putting content together and and ad kits and all the things that you have to do to put together a magazine. And in August, end of August, we said, well. Let's do this. And we uh, we announced that we were going to start taking subscription orders. And uh, to our surprise, uh, they just started flooding in with very, very little marketing. So nice. so we were, you know, we were thrilled. We were onto something. We had uh, some working capital and we're able to get that first issue out. And it's been snowballing from there. Cool. Um, so nice. so that's that's where we're at now. We've produced uh, two issues. We're working on the third one now, mm-hmm. uh, which will be out at the end of May. And uh, hoping to keep it going, you know, well into the future. I think I think we've uh, uh, we found a good formula. I think in terms of the needs of the North American audience, which is much much different than than what the British magazines produce too. We don't get the defenders in the same <laughs> quantity and, and uh-huh. arrangements. You know, our market's a lot different than than Europe and and other uh, other markets. So we're tailoring all our content primarily for the uh, for the North American reader. Very cool, very cool. So for listeners out there, you can subscribe to your publication. It's quarterly. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. So, quarterly publication. You've also got a beautiful website. Uh, it's wonderful to go to. Lots of wonderful pictures, articles, editorial content. So and there's even some products there for people to buy. So I'll make sure I put a link to Alloy & Grit, the website, on Brian Shono's page. If you love these vehicles, if you love off-road, I think this is a great publication. It's new. It's different. Fresh, exciting. Uh, definitely worth getting your hands on if you love going out and driving in the dirt. And if you love British cars, that's even big part of it as well. So yeah, very, very cool. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Brian. If you were a car, what kind of car would Brian be and why? So I know I should probably answer some sort of Land Rover, but uh, for years, I've actually kind of contemplated this. And and for me, it kind of comes back to my first cars, that first generation Volkswagen GTI, mm-hmm. especially in, in European trim, the the earliest cars. To me, I've, I've long said that, that a, a GTI is all the car anyone actually needs. It's it's practical, it's sporty, it's thrifty, you know, it's stylish in its own way. So I guess in, in some ways, that's how I see that's myself Brian, as yeah. well-rounded. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not all about muscle. I'm not all about uh, outright style. It's uh, sure. it's a combination of all those things. So uh, that's that's kind of the way I, I see it. There you go. I like that. Back when I was in college, I bought my first new car, which was a Volkswagen Scirocco, the first generation, oh, yeah. 79 Scirocco. And the first car my wife and I bought together when we were married was we bought her a GLI, Jetta GLI. Oh, yeah. Great low car, and it kind of evolved into our first child, so it had a back seat. We drove that car all over the place. Had it for like 10 or 12 years. Yeah, really fun car, so I understand. Great. Brian is knows what he is and what he's all about. <laughs> well, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. What's the worst thing for your car's interior? No, it's not that milkshake the kid spilled in the back seat. It's the sun. Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside, even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install stay where you put them, and are custom pattern for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator. 
and you can get yours in different colors and finishes. And they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years, and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. Okay, Brian, we are back and we're entering the last lap and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Don't buy old cars from the Rust Belt. I've, uh, <laughs> I've, re- I've restored one too many of those. You know, buy a Southern car, paint's a lot uh, easier to take care of when there's no rust underneath it. Yeah. And upholstery is a lot easier to do than, than metal work. So. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? I would have to say dissect everything. Most of what I've learned has been through through non-traditional methods. Uh, when I was you know, a teenager, I <laughs> spent time out, outside with my mom's car, taking door panels apart. I always wondered, you know, how, how does the window winder work? Well, I, I figured out how to take a door panel apart and discovered it. Um, <laughs> and, I've, and I've kind of uh, employed that in my professional life as well. You know, just taking things apart, dissecting and, and figuring out what makes them tick. You know, everything from <laughs> how a print magazine's made to, uh, yeah. to, to how a window winder works. And it's a lot easier these days with Google and, and resources on the web. But uh, oh, yeah. But really, there's no replacement for doing it for for doing hands-on getting into something and and quite frankly breaking things once in a while to to figure out how to fix them learn 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 yep now about a resource there's lots of great resources out there these days but is there one in particular that you'd like to share for all the great web resources that are out there, one thing that I still turn back to regularly is the uh, the Bosch Automotive Handbook, the little blue uh, oh, yeah. yep. pocket Bible. I, I keep that in my tool chest. And I've found that uh, even if there's not a, uh, a direct answer in there, there's logic within those pages. And uh, so I, I never am far from, from the Bosch Automotive Handbook. It helps that I've owned mostly stuff that runs on Bosch. It's it's become more relevant, obviously, with, with all those vehicles. But uh, there's also so much just 
practical information in there that uh, you don't have to have a Bosch uh, equipped car to uh, to get some value out of that. That's that's a big resource for me. It's an awesome little book. The business I ran for years, we sold that book at Christmas time for people to throw in, in stockings as stocking stuffers and things. And it's a wonderful book. Yeah, the little blue Bible I used to call it because uh, yep. I think it's in its, I don't know, maybe it's in its 10th generation now, something like that. At least ninth or 10th, I think. It's a really wonderful, wonderful research. I'll put a uh, link to that on your show notes page because we're going to talk about a book in a second. Wonderful little book. Now, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive field or industry, living or deceased, who would it be? Uh, hands down, Steve McQueen. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, his his taste in cars and bikes, you know, for a celebrity to be that low-key about uh, the way he went about his stuff as well, you know, showing up at races and, and uh, just kind of doing his thing without attracting attention. I think a lot of Hollywood would do well to follow his model. But, <laughs> Boy, uh, wouldn't they? Yeah. But uh, hands down, I mean, what I wouldn't give to, uh, you know, to sit shotgun uh, on a run across Mulholland Drive with him. <laughs> wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. I had Steve's son, Chad McQueen, as a guest mm-hmm. here on Cars. Yeah, it was a great show. He talked about the making of the movie Le Mans and um, right. the time he spent with his dad when he was like eight or nine years old. And, of course, there's a great documentary out there now you can find about that as well. But, yeah, Steve seemed like a genuine guy and a car guy. I had uh, Bruce Meyer on the show here, and Bruce actually mm-hmm. owned – uh, Steve's speedster, and then Steve convinced him to sell it back to him, which today he wishes he still had it, of course. But, uh, yeah. I think Chad still has that car, but, uh, yeah, he, he seemed like a pretty cool, cool dude. That's for sure. We lost yeah. him way too soon. Well, yeah. let's get back to that book question. I know you mentioned the Bosch, uh, blue handbook there, but is there mm-hmm. another book you'd like to recommend to our listeners? I am a big fan of Burt Levy's uh, Last Open Road series. <laughs> I, I know I know Burt well as well because he was, yeah. you know, we used to run into each other regularly when I lived in Chicago uh, at media events and and uh, Concord events and things like that. Uh-huh. For me, as a European car enthusiast, you know, hearing kind of the uh, even through fiction the the back tales of you know the the roots of all the the great sports cars that came out in the post war years, it was just fascinating to me. It it, it filled in a lot of blanks for me. You know, uh, I, I was born in early 70s, so I, I wasn't around in the 50s when those guys were racing cars. But to me, those were such great, genuine cars. You know, they they right. were exactly how someone designed them, and, and they weren't overthought. <laughs> and, yeah. and in many cases, were underthought. But to me, that's just, just a great series of uh, uh, of writing. You know, Bert's hilarious to, to read and uh, even funnier to have dinner with. <laughs> yeah. I gave my... Uh, last open road, the first first uh, volume in that series to an executive at BMW, and I think it circulated through a couple executives and never made its way back to me. So, oh gosh, I, I need to replace it. Uh, so, if Bert's listening, he can send me a free one. He owes me one. There you go. Yeah, Bert was a guest here on the show. He's he's an interesting character. That is for sure. I've known him forever and ever. And yeah, his series of books. Listeners out there, go check out his show on the uh, Cars Yeah website page, the show notes page. Last open road, Montezuma's Ferrari, the fabulous trash wagon. To these ghosts, the 200 mile per hour steamroller. I think he did two versions of that book. Don't forget the pot side companion. Well, the pot side, yes, of course, the pot side companion. Every man's a treasure uh, while sitting on his throne. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> very, very fun stuff. Well, listeners, you can find links to everything Brian has been so kind to share on his show notes page at carsyad.com. Just type Brian, B R Y A N. Last name is Joslin, G O S L I N in the search bar. His page will pop up and you'll find all these great links. And speaking of books, there's an awesome resource on the Cars yeah website I've created for you listeners, Guest Recommended Books. Just goes to the Resource tab. Click on that. I've got all these great books set up for 
for quick, easy clicks to buy through Amazon, fast, easy, incredible resources there for anyone who wants to read cool books by all the cool guests here on Cars. Yeah. All right. We're up to the checkered flag, Brian. This last question can be a real doozy. If you could have only one very cool collector car in your garage, I'll buy you anything you'd like today. But you mm-hmm. got to keep it. You got to drive it. You got to enjoy it. What would that vehicle be? And more importantly, why? Ah, uh, this one's easy. The uh, For me, it's the Porsche 550A Spider. Uh, that is, hands down, my favorite vintage Porsche. It's it's so pure, so simple. Um, you know, the uh, the shape is just so organic. And um, yeah. It's just a gorgeous car. It's, it's light. You know, the fact that it, it was such a giant killer uh, with, you know, with so little power mm-hmm. <laughs> relative to what it was racing against. Yeah. But doing it through lightness and, and through maintaining momentum more than, than making speed. And just a lovely car to hear. So for me, hands down, uh, if I ever won a big lottery, I would be on the hunt for one of the handful of remaining 550 spiders. Yeah. Oh, that's near and dear to my heart, too. That's got to be on my top five cars of all time. And I love those things I mentioned earlier. I had a Beck Spider, which, of course, is far from the real deal, but that's as close as I could get. They're just wonderful little cars. I had the luxury of playing with a real 550 one day during a photo shoot. The car now belongs to Bob Ingram, a Road Scholars mm-hmm. group of people. They've got that 550. Yeah, what a wonderful, simple little car. Just absolutely spectacular. So uh I'll get to work on that. You just broke the bank, of course. So uh, that's yeah. going to cost me a bloody – those things have just <laughs> gone through the roof like so many – High-end blue-chip cars, but yeah, well, we share we share a passion there for sure. Yeah, well, Brian, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I've really enjoyed your stories. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey and this new publication, Alloy and Grit, with me and the Cars Yow listeners. Could you give us one parting piece of wisdom and guidance before you rip off down the road in that Porsche 550A Spider? Yeah, in my dreams. Yeah, nice thought, huh? I would say don't be afraid to travel the road less traveled. Be different and stand out, you know. Find the path that no one else is taking and, and make the most of it. It's probably not original advice, but I've always worked, you know, between the um, between the lines there, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. where, where other people aren't aren't willing or aren't brave enough to go. So it doesn't always work out, but you, you have a great time along the way. Absolutely. And, um, you, you know, you learn always, always from that. So keep learning, keep learning. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about Alloy and Grit? Probably just the website itself, www.alloyandgrit.com, A-L-L-O-Y-A-N-D-G-R-I-T. So. Again, listeners, I've, I've got a copy of the publication. It's really beautiful. You're going to love it. I would encourage you to check out what these guys are doing. Uh, subscription is really inexpensive, so uh, get your hands on this. Even if you have a friend who maybe is into these kinds of vehicles, if you're not into off-road stuff, it would make an awesome gift. So, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Brian has shared on the Cars yeah website on his page. Just type Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, in the search bar, and his page will pop up. Check out Alloy and Grit. Brian, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your off-road and on-road experiences with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down that dusty, dirty road. Thanks. You're welcome. What's every automotive enthusiast's dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. 
Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!